Just over 60 days since Grimsby Town put a dagger into the heart of Solly Moore's promotion dreams at the London Stadium, the National League is gearing up for a return. We've got some new faces in Oldham and Dorking, some familiar ones in York and Maidstone, but the same old nonsense from our panel of non-league experts who look forward to previewing the upcoming season. Expect bumps along the way, but as always, there will never be a regular week of Vanarama. I am Amos Murphy and this is the non-league podcast sponsored by betting.co.uk. And welcome back to the non-league podcast sponsored by betting.co.uk. I am Amos Murphy and we've had some time away over the pre-season break, but we are delighted to be back with some new faces too. That's right, alongside returning guests Joel and Will. I'm delighted to say that we've also been busy in the transfer market, acquiring the services of Notts County supporter and reporter Casey. Casey, great to have you on board, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Happy to be here. How are you? Fantastic. I'm good. I'm I'm glad to be back into the swing of things. Tell us a little bit about what you get up to in terms of your first of all your your devoted support for the Magpies, but then how you've sort of uh, gone on to do the little bit of reporting towards back end of the last season and what you've got planned for this season too. Well, long story short, really, I, I just love knots. Obviously, massive knots fan. Yeah, and. Through, through lockdown, first lockdown, I just got into a little bit of writing, etc. And then changed my whole Twitter to not space. And now mm. it's just gone absolutely crazy, obviously. Verified. It's just, it's honestly gone mental, mate. I did not expect it in the slightest. But yeah. yeah, it's been good. Pretty much just more the same coming up next season. Obviously, a lot of our supporters have been unhappy about the coverage elsewhere. So I feel like there's more of a duty for me to carry on doing it and pushing it a bit more this year. But I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic stuff. It's nice to have a little bit of credibility because, as usual, alongside me are these two clowns returning for their second stint on the non-league podcast. Uh, Joel, we'll start with you. What have you been up to over the summer months? Have you been able to keep sane without the football? And, and I'm sure you're glad it's back. I am. It's felt like a short turnaround. I don't know whether it's an illusion, but it seemed to go mm. a lot quicker this summer than, than others. Um, in between doing season uh, reviews and, and previews, for my uh, website, I've been working a few non-sporting events, concerts and that. Um, mm. Just got back yesterday from a family holiday in Cornwall. So, yeah, I'm back now ready for um, nine, months, nine, mo- nine months. There we go. Pre-season <laughs> for me as well of Unparalleled Vanarama. Yeah, nine mouths of unparalleled panorama. <laughs> Sounds like a little bit of torture. Um, yeah, we're, we're gearing up for another inevitable Dagnum 8th place finish, so we'll wait and see how that one turns out. Um, as for you, Will, bit of news in the summer months. Obviously, your previous listeners will know your, your devoted support for Woking, but you're actually on a dual contract this season, aren't you, uh, for work purposes? So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I've joined teams like Wilstone, so, you know... Propping up the um, supporters who fight for their um, fight for their club against all the big teams like Oldham and stuff. Who say, "Oh, why do we have to play the teams like Wilston?" <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it's yeah. a great club. What I mean, I went there a couple of times last season. Absolutely loved it, and 
when the opportunity comes up like that to you know work for a club like that you've got to take it with open hands and I've, I've really enjoyed it so far and I, I can't wait to uh, see you know put out a few tweets when Wilstone play Oldham and stuff got a few bookmarks yeah. and stuff yeah so yeah it's going to be great yeah, people wondering where Wheelstone is, I'm sure, Oldham's new owner, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, I tell you what, we'll use that as a nice segue into our first topic for today's show, and as the title suggests, it is a National League preview, but we'll start down towards the bottom of the table. And before we came on tonight to record this, I asked you lot to send me your bottom four, the teams you think will be getting relegated from the National League, and for also your the, the ones that you think will be going up. So we'll, we'll touch a little bit on as many clubs as we can, but that, that's where we're going to focus for today's show. Um, KC, we'll start with you then. You gave me um, some, some answers for clubs. Yeovil, Gateshead, Maidstone and Maidenhead. What's the thinking behind those four teams going down then? Because they're quite, that's a couple of new teams, a couple of established teams, and obviously Oval, quite a recently a football league team. So, so there's some big names in there and, and some that are on other people's predictions too. Well, with, with Yeovil to start with, I just don't feel like they've had a very good summer. Obviously, a new manager, you expect a lot of new players to come in mm-hmm. with it, but it just don't seem to be that case at all. And the players that they have brought in, very underwhelming, so I think they could be in a bit of trouble this year. And as for Gateshead and Maidstone, but especially Gateshead, I mean, losing their two strikers, I don't know where they went, but they went to they went somewhere. <laughs> uh, so that's a problem. And they obviously replaced him with Lewis Knight, who I believe is injured now. So that's obviously goals that they're going to be missing. Maidstone, I don't really know what they've been doing. They've been a bit quiet as far as I'm aware, so it looks like it could be Curtains and Maidenhead, obviously, have lost Josh Kelly, who... Mm probably their biggest danger man and probably has been their biggest danger man for the past two seasons now. And they don't look like they've done anything with the money. So, yeah, I think it could be their their year to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Maidenhead are always a team that are just there or thereabouts in terms of people picking them to go down. But but sometimes sometimes it seems to get this sort of miracle act together. And and I remember last season they went on a run of I think it was beating Wrexham, Chesterfield, teams like that, and they managed to get enough points to stay up. Um, Will obviously this this season's a bit different. We're back to the the usual format in terms of teams and whatnot. But you've gone for a similar lineup of of relegated teams: Gateshead, Maidenhead, and Maidstone. Just like KC, but you, you this really surprised me. My eyes popped out a little bit when you gave me this one. But Scunthorpe United, obviously dropping out of League Two at the back end of last season, I don't think many supporters, are, Scunthorpe supporters, are expecting a good year. But to have them go down to what would be National League North is is quite the shout. I feel like it's one of those like that, like people weren't expecting York to go double down. But they just run like they were run like a shambles at the time, and Scunthorpe are similar to Bournemouth. Mm. I mean, their their recruitment's been very, very you know average to say the least, and they don't have any squad depth, and they've still got a lot of youngsters at the club who will probably be scarred from what they what they've been experiencing the last couple <laughs> of years, and they won't be ready for the national league, and you know. I don't rate Keith Hill as a manager either. I think he's a, you know, he, he's going to come down to the National League like John Sheridan did and think he's going to absolutely walk it and then he's going to find himself jobless within a couple of months because that's how this league sort of shakes you up. Hmm. I certainly don't agree with the people who are putting Scunthorpe near the top. I feel like if there's any team 
who've come down over the last few years that are going to do a York, they're the most likely in pre-season, simply because they still haven't been sold and they haven't really got their act together in terms of real key sort of National League signings, in terms of players who aren't just class in League Two, but players who know this division inside out, mm. whereas they're, they're paying undisclosed fees for players like they signed Marcus Carver from Hartlepool today, who had a poor second half of the season last year, and Hartlepool fans reckon he, he wasn't good enough for them today. It's a shout, but it's one that, you know, I'm probably going to look back on when they win the league or something and, you know, regret. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, I saw that Marcus Carver announcement. It's an interesting one because he was on fire for Southport. He, you know, he was a really good player for them. And then suddenly made that... that Going from National League North to League Two seems like sometimes it, it is a little bit too big of a jump compared to, you know, the National League to League Two or National League North or South to, to the National League. And he's come back there. And I, at first, I, I presumed it was a loan considering he'd, he'd just left on a permanent. But no, um, uh, undisclosed fee, as you mentioned there. Um Joel, now this is where it starts to differ a little bit. I say that there's still uh, a couple of teams that have been mentioned, but you've gone for the Maidstone Maidenhead double as well. Um, starting off with them, similar reasons to the two other guys. You just think it's Maidstone don't won't have enough coming up, and Maidenhead their times run out. Exactly that, to be honest. Uh, Maidstone, their squad has got a lot of players who failed in the National League before, uninspiring players, and I don't think they've recruit, recruited well enough to really consolidate their position. And Maidenhead, I just think, as well as they've done in previous years, and, and we'll all be unanimous in saying that Devonshire's done an amazing job, I just don't mm. think he'll be able to replicate that this year with the loss of Kelly. It doesn't look like they've brought in anyone who could really fill that void. I know someone comes out of nowhere every year for Maidenhead and, and proves a little bit of a gem, but not this time. I think, I think they're going to go now. So no escape act for Maidenhead this year. However, you're the only one so far who hasn't tipped Gateshead to go down, which will, of course, be music to the ears of, of regular panellist Dan, who's over in the States at the moment enjoying his summer holiday. and He's missing his team's first game back in the National League, which is sacrilege, if you ask me. But um, what's your hunch then behind the, the heed avoiding the drop? Well, not many National League North winners or indeed teams from the Northern region at all, really tend to struggle when they come into the National League. I mean, maybe Kingsland are the exception on that one. Mm. I think Gates said they've got immense spirit and sometimes that can make up for a deficit in quality. They've signed Aaron Martin, which isn't a bad sign. It's sort of gone under the radar. I think he could get 10 goals. Obviously, that won't really make up for losing um, Scott and Langstaff, but... There's also a psychological thing with Gateshead, isn't there? If you go to Gateshead around November to February, there'll be the psychological thing, oh, we're in for a tough day today, you know, going there, going that far on a Saturday. And I think they could scrape a lot of unfancied 1-0s and they'll have enough spirit in the squad to just about get by and then um, really kind of address the squad next summer. Okay then, Casey, here's your time. Um, talk us through the, the Notts County spending spree and Raiden Gateshead's top talent. What, what what have you made of that so far? Because I know, as I mentioned there, Dan, who who's on the show quite a bit, he's he's taken that one very lightly, as you can imagine. Um, heroes for them last season and, and they've they've ditched the black and white. Oh, it's not even it's no longer black and white of, of Gateshead anymore. They've gone grey, which is sort of a sign of the times, the melancholy of losing the two of the best players. So what's it been like pre-season for the two lads who've come in from, from Gateshead? 
well, you know, Langstaff. We'll start with Langstaff because he's featured more. Let me just say, like, I, I've not been so excited over a forward at this club. <laughs> I don't know how long. Obviously, we had Carl Wharton last year, but it's just a whole new player, Langstaff. He does so much more with the ball, without it pressing. He's got an app for a goal as well. And five goals in the seven games we've played, well, he's featured in. He's just after, that's why I've tipped us to win the league over Exxon, which is obviously mm. coming up, because I just feel like his goals will make the difference. Obviously, they've got Mullin and Palmer and whoever else they want to sign, but it doesn't matter because Langstaff is going to outscore every single one of them. We're going to win the league. But obviously, Scott as well, who hasn't featured as much, but I don't know if that's just a sign of where he's at in fitness wise because he has mm. been ill and then injured, or is it just a case of he isn't going to start and he's going to be a sub? But I mean, he. everyone knows he's quality. A uh, handful of goals last season will definitely not struggle to make a step up, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the stats, actually. Kyle Wharton last year, 19 goals from, from 44 games. Are you having Langstaff to, to top that then, straight off the bat? Are you going 20 goals plus for him this season? Oh, he'll have that by Christmas. So I'd say because he, he's going to be the man. He's well with them. Ruben Rodriguez. He will be the focal point of the team. Mm. He will be the main source of goals. I'd imagine he's taking penalties, and if he isn't, I'd be amazed. So yeah, I'd definitely back into at least get twenty twenty five for sure. Bold, bold. It's what we love to see. Um, Will, your time to do your your sort of your administrative purposes here on the back of your your new employers. Uh, Wheelstone, you didn't have them to go down. None of the panel did. They're always a team that that feel as if they're punching above the weight a little bit, as you mentioned at the start. You know, teams come down and go, "Why on earth do we have to play these?" Blah blah. blah. But they're established. I think it's fair to say. What 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 are you expecting from what you've seen so far in pre season from them? Well, the thing is, they're a team that you'd expect that you know. The, the, the state of the ground and you know how sort of tight it, it is you'd expect them to play sort of this horrible football you know win at all costs but they play really good expansive football and you know that they've developed that over the last year and that they had some really impressive results last year and the, the, the thing about me for Wheelstone is they always seem to get the best out of their loans you know they sign players who end up you know George Wickens the keeper He's he's now Fulham's. He was Fulham's number two until Leno came, and he's. You've got Aaron Henry who came from Charlton, who they've tried to get back, and they've got some really good lines this season as well. They've signed a centre back on loan from Charlton, who their fans rave about, and it reminds me a bit of how working used to be. You know, we used to have mm. to operate on a shoestring, getting all these one month loans, and you know, all of a sudden you've improved the player so much that the, the clubs trust you, and you basically get first dibs. And you look at the signings they've made as well. I mean, Kinsella and Kretschmar was two that I was not expecting. You know, I expected after Kretschmar turned down a contract us for him to move up the table, and for Wheelstone mm. to get him is an absolutely massive coup. Not only because of how good he is, but because of the way they play as well. Kretschmar plays as a second striker, you know, and the, and the, the way Wheelstone play, he'll get loads and loads of chances, and he'll probably put quite a few of them away. I don't think they'll be like much extension on last season because of how much everyone else has improved but I certainly don't think they'll be in relegation trouble Yeah, yeah, sure the, the Kretschmar signing was one that took me about completely, I thought that was a, a fantastic coup from Wheelstone um, Joel then, we'll, we'll give you the last word on teams towards the bottom who who may be in a relegation scrap but we don't think will go down and, and that's Dorking, now 
you spent quite a bit of time, didn't you, at the back end of last season following the journey of Dorking. Obviously, they were in a title challenge a little bit and then it dropped off to, to Maidstone's benefit. Mark, Wise, uh, Mark White sorry, is a, an eccentric character and he's bringing a lot of uh, eccentricity with him to the National League, but not many people have them as going down despite this being their maiden National League campaign. And, and do you, are you backing them to be just fine or do you think it might be touch and go a little bit? It's hard to say when a team comes up from the South, especially from the playoffs, because realistically, if you come up from the playoffs in the South, you're probably the lowest ranked team in the division because of the fact that the North is is a better division. Mm. However, with Dorkin, they've just got something about them. Um, They went up last season despite having an injury crisis pretty much from the first whistle of the season. And it's hard to imagine that they'll have that again this season. I think they've made some... Very interesting recruits. I think Ryan Seeger from, um, oh, where was he at? Um, Hungerford Town. Um, just remembered that. Hungerford Town could prove a very, very interesting addition. He's one of them who could kind of work his way up the pyramid. Alfie Rutherford will score goals at this level. So, Dorkin have got quality all over the pitch. They're not going to sustain their incredible rise through the divisions and, and challenge for the playoffs or anything like that but for a first season I think they'll be just fine I think they'll finish maybe around 15th and Mark White will be absolutely happy with that and, and just a, a word on the National League North playoff winners obviously you had words to say about this football club last year York City I don't think anyone's imagining them to have any problems they're probably as we'll get to uh, in in the next part they're probably not going to be in the in the promotion mix as, as their supporters will expect so does that mean no uh, no pitch invasions this year for the for the Minster men I'm sure they'll find a way if they scrape a draw <laughs> against someone like Maidenhead at home I'm sure the fans will be only too pleased to invade the pitch yeah but what a kit they'll be doing it in. I don't think anyone can have any complaints if, if they're doing it in that shirt. It's an absolute beauty. I may have to look at getting one myself. The National League is back, which means it's time to take a look at some title odds ahead of the new season. Now, all of these odds are taken from betuk.com, so head over to betting.co.uk to find out the best sign-up offers and tips. Now, we're taking the top six in terms of title favourites, starting with Southend United, who come in at 18-1. to It wasn't the best of seasons last year for the Shrimpers, but they're expected to be there or thereabouts in the upcoming campaign. 16-1 to sees Oldham Athletic labelled as title winners. Now, lengthy odds, but there could be some profit to be made if Frank Rothwell's takeover of the Latics goes to plan and they manage to refine their swagger with the old man at the helm. Solihull Moors are 12-1. to Now, we all know how it ended for them last season, coming in as runners-up in the playoff, but they have got a balanced squad and could be looking to make a splash this year. 8-1 to one, as the odds start to shorten. We'll see Chesterfield winners of the title. Paul Cook had a turbulent time in charge of the Spyrites on his return. But it looks as though they've turned over a new leaf. And will be challengers this year. Notts County at 6-1 to one could be the best profit to be made in this list. They are second favourites and have had a superb transfer window, bringing in some top talent. But 
unsurprisingly, Wrexham 6-5 to five odds on favourite for the National League title. If it's not going to be this year, Wrexham, when is it going to be? Let's switch to the opposite end of the table now then and speak about some of those sides who are in the mix for the playoffs. Now, good news, if your club hasn't been mentioned so far and they're not mentioned in the second part of this show, then we have you down to be just fine in mid-table. You can squabble it out in the comments as to whether or not that's a good thing or not. But um, I wanted to start with the side who will be playing their maiden campaign, just like Darkin, in the National League this season. And that's, of course, Oldham. Many were tipping Oldham to be involved in a relegation battle this season, but they were taken over last week, weren't they, Casey? And a lot of chatter has disappeared around the demise over that club, and it's looking a lot more optimistic. You're the only one from today's panel who who's had them to squeeze into the playoffs, and and what do you think's giving you that hunch heading into the season? Well, I think, like you say, with the takeover, that obviously spells we've got money now, mm. and that spells we're a big club in this league. We're going to spend. We're going to try and compete. And not only that, as well, I just feel like going to Boundary Park is is massive. Mm. They, they will definitely have a good home record. And I think with the team that they will put together eventually with the money, they'll be strong enough on the road to get themselves into the playoffs. If you asked me a week ago, they would have definitely been near the bottom, but a takeover changes everything, especially now. You can only imagine the influx of money they're going to put into that team. So I can only see it being positive for them now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And obviously, Notts County are a club themselves. So you know what it's like to to have that ownership change and then the boost in confidence that can come off the back of it. And it, it, Oldham are a really interesting one, aren't they, Will? Because I'm not sure who it was at the end of last season. It probably was me, to be honest, when we did our hot takes. But I, I think I tipped them to go down or at least be in a, a relegation battle. But after that takeover, as Casey says, it's hard to imagine them ever being in a better position so far. In as in that, I know they've not kicked a ball in non-league yet, but in terms of their their short life as a non-league club, they've never been in a better position to succeed. And playoffs, I, I think, might be a little bit of a stretch, but they should be looking at a top ten finish. I feel like from this point on, shouldn't they? Will I feel like we were all sort of right to say they'd be in a relegation battle if they didn't get taken over just because of how when you have this cloud hanging over a club and it's the same with Yeovil at the moment it's like it's really hard no matter who you sign to really sort of keep positive about it like Oldham was signing all these players and being like well they're good for the National League yeah but we've still not been taken over we've still got this cloud hanging over us Mm. we still don't know how much money's been taken out of the club and once you get that sorted it really does feel like a massive relief. Although I, I think they've probably just done it a bit too late to get in the playoffs. Right. Maybe just just a bit too late because of the squad's already been assembled for, you know, probably mid-table National League, which is fine. But you're looking at a club who are going to be on an upward trajectory for the next five years. in like, And that, that's what all they want because they haven't had a top-half finish for years. They haven't had a good season since they dropped out of the Premier League, really, mm. in terms of the size of the club they are. They've just been on a downward downward path, and, and now all of a sudden it's like, you don't care what league you're in, as long as you're watching your team win most weeks. Challenge for everything, and you, you know, you're going away watching your team. I actually feel like you're part of it now, and that, that's what they'll really want to see, rather than, you know, it'd be great if they got promoted, 
they, obviously they'd take that. But imagine being in the National League and you're still like, you know, your future's uncertain. You know, you could be liquidated within a couple of months if the chairman pulls the plug. Now you've got a bit of stability. The results come with it. Certainly, yeah, certainly. It will be good for them just to press that reset button after a, a really toxic period. And I don't think you can underestimate that the the sort of the power the crowd will make in that because they were well supported even in the dark days. I know a lot of people boycotted them, and and now you're expecting that to come back. And and the the, the crowds at that first game against Dark, in which Joel, the new owner, Frank Rothwell, came into a little bit of heat, didn't he, um, during his during his unveiling by this sort of... I don't know I don't, don't know how you describe it, because it, you can tell what he was trying to do. There was no malice, I don't feel, that was involved, but it did come across a little bit demeaning towards Dorkin. Obviously, I think he was saying, does anyone even know where Dorkin are? You know, we're going to pack this place out. They're not going to know what's hit them, blah, blah, blah. Yes, Oldham have been a Premier League club, but they're not a Premier League club anymore. And do you think there'll be a little bit of a culture shock, even though there's been this new takeover heading into the new National League season? Because we've seen, going all the way back to Stockport County, when they dropped into the division and Chesterfield, obviously, Notts County as well, or another club involved in that, where you come in and you feel like, okay, we can we can definitely get this uh, division by the horns, and it, it just it never really materializes, does it? It's a completely different ball game to what they've had in in previous seasons. It's almost an inside joke, isn't it, between us all who've been in the National League for a while, seeing how <laughs> the new fans react because we watch them go in kind of the same cycle every single year, be it yeah. you know, Leighton Orient, York City when they first came down. <laughs> Look how that went. Um, and, and all of them are the latest um, members of that whose fans think they'll pack every stadium out, they'll beat part-time teams. It's almost as if they think that non-league is populated with plumbers and part-time footballers. But yeah, yeah. when they play Dorkin, they will get a culture shock. I mean, that comment, it's more naivety than anything, isn't it? Just yeah. poor choice of words. I know what he was trying to say. Look, not many people do know where Dorkin is outside of Surrey, London, but when you say something like that with the phrasing and with the reaction it got from the supporters, it's just fuel to Mark White. If ever he needed any kind of incentive or writing of the team talk for him, you know, that's it. I'm sure we'll be watching the Bunch of Amateurs episode in about four months' time, seeing those comments relayed to the um, the YouTube cameras. Yeah, I was just going to say I can't wait for that bunch of amateurs episode and, and how it how it's used and, and how it's wormed into the script. It's a little bit like that that sickos meme, isn't it, where they stood at the glass window looking in and uh, and the fire's going off behind them. Where like that that's what it's like for the teams coming down to the national league and and the fans that have been here for a long time. Um, KC, then you had Oldham as your seventh place team. As for the rest of the elimin elimin oh my god eliminator spaces, um, it's Dagenham, Southend, and Chesterfield for you. Talk us through those picks then, because I think that's probably where most people's heads are at heading into the new season. Well, I'd start with Chesterfield. A lot of people are tipping them to do well. I don't think I've got it in me to tip them. <laughs> a little bit of bitterness already. Um, but no, I, I look, it's, obviously, they, they, it looks like they're going to keep Tishamanga, which is obviously great for them. He's going to score goals. Everyone knows that. It's just what they've got around him. This year, what they've recruited, I don't think it's been as 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 promising as last season. The team they had together last season, you know, signing players from like Maidenhead, fair enough. But like, I mean, 
try, they're taking trialist on now from Barrow, which Barrow didn't want, so he can't be that good, surely. <laughs> and it just it screams to me that the money's run out. Mm. Everyone knew they had some money, but now it just doesn't look like they've got much at all. And I just think, well, like, they're not going to do much this year. And maybe get the playoffs. That's what I tipped them for. But as far as, obviously, Dagenham and Southend, I feel like they're, uh, right now, probably two of the strongest teams in the division in terms of what they're going to offer, especially Southend. With their, everyone knows that, about the home form that they had last season at one point. Mm. I think they'll do the same again at home. Dagenham's always a hard place to go. We we don't have much success there, so and they've recruited well as well. So I feel like playoffs is uh, all to play for this year. But I feel like there's well, there's three or four teams as I've mentioned that I feel like will be dead cert and Chesterfield, Dagenham, Southend, three of them for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna inflate Joel's head a little bit too much. Um, Will, you've gone for a similar look in seventh to fourth. Instead, rather unsurprisingly, then you've backed Woke into squeeze into seventh, along with Dagenham, Solihull, and Southend. Is that out of optimism or a little bit of fantasy? Do you know? What? I think it's for once. It's actually more uh, less fantasy, more sort of optimism because of. Just, just the way Darren Soul teams operate is that, hmm. you know, you don't have to score many goals to win a football match. And we, we've seen the defence has been strengthened. And that, was, that for me, was the biggest worry from last season was how many times did we concede two or more goals in, in a game? And that's been completely sort of dealt with now. We've got a lot of centre-backs who are going to keep rotating and, and we've got a lot of choices. And we've we've added experience to sort of not youth but like potential. We've got players who, who have experience, vast experience like Amon's got a cuff, but Luke Wilkinson. And then we've got players with potential like we already had Jack Rolls. We've got Greg O'Cox. We've got James Daly who's looked really really good in pre-season. I feel like if there's a sort of wild card for these playoffs, it's probably working just because of the amount of recruitment and the quality mm. put together. I mean, I look at teams like. Barnet and stuff, and they've made a similar amount of signings to us. But how many of them have been as good and as sort of wanted by other teams in and around this level of the pyramids as they were? Like they've taken loads of Kabamba Diara from us. And those are three players who, you know, I wasn't disappointed to see go in terms of we want to move on. As for the rest of the playoff teams, I feel like there's six teams who are going to get playoffs, definitely. And if they don't, it's a shock. And the seventh is a wild card. I could probably have given that to Bournemouth with Bromley. You know, there's there's other teams out there as well. I've liked what Bromley have done by bringing in Marriott to compliment Cheek. I think they'll be up there. I think Bournemouth will be up there, but I, I don't... I think Bournemouth's chance was last season just because of how good Luke Garrod had it. And I feel like once you've lost it as a manager, it's very hard to get back that sort of winning mentality, as w- as we found out last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You spot on there. Obviously, they had that woeful run, didn't they? Boreham Wood and, and went from title contenders to completely dropping out of the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> Joel, you'll you'll be pleased to know your fellow two panelists have have gone for Dagnum to be involved in the playoffs this year. After all, after. Uh, after Woking couldn't do the job last year and Woking supporters stuck you in there this year instead. Um, unsurprisingly, then, you, you've tipped them to make the top seven as well. 
must be feeling confident ahead of the new season then. It's, it's less confidence and more a case of we've failed so many times with a squad <laughs> and a budget that should be playoff quality that it would be absolutely scandalous if we don't finish seventh. I mean, even seventh, that would still not really be as good as we should be aiming for, mm. considering the fact that we've probably invested a lot a lot of money the past three, four seasons and not made the playoffs. Realistically, I think we should be around fourth, fifth. But such has been the last few years that I'd, I'd definitely take seventh. I think Omar Musa is a very good signing. Yeah, Weymouth, yeah. that's a very um, a very shrewd bit of business. Nick Tavares from Wildstone comes quite highly rated. And um, like last year, it's an interesting one with us. Um, two seasons ago, we made the most signings in the division. The last two seasons, we've made the lowest in the division. We've only made three this and last year. And the emphasis has really shifted onto a settled squad and then supplementing that core with just little injections of quality. And last year, it worked for the first few weeks of the season. Obviously, we were lightning and then we tailed off. This year, it's going to be more about emulating that start, but then kind of having that ability to dig deep when the tide turns and just having a bit more mental strength and having maybe a bit more strength in depth and not relying on um, square pegs in round holes just to really make sure that this really does prove our year in terms of making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with you then, Joel, because there's a man, obviously, Dagenham supporter, with a, a more than soft heart for Southend United. You must be enjoying them, enjoying seeing them building a squad that has uh, the potential to challenge for promotion. We've had two of the panel, uh, two of the three panelists of today's show backing them to finish inside the top seven. Shock horror, you were the only one not to. Um, you've gone for FC Halifax Town, who obviously made it last year, and Bromley, who were the FA Trophy winners instead. What's your thinking behind that one, and, and who's who's the one to finish above the other, and who's the one that you think potentially could be drifting into seventh, but, but could drop out as well? Well, firstly, believe me, the only thing I like about Southend United is Ron Martin. Um, <laughs> look, if, I, I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs. I don't see why that's such an opinion that's widely circulated. I think um, Mooney from Orchardham is a great signing for them, but I don't think they've had enough real upgrades in the crucial positions for what is really a mid-table squad. I know they had a good run, but every team has that period, don't they? Um, without it being a genuine reflection of what they're about. Halifax, I think we all sort of wrote off. And if you'd have asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said, no, no way. They've lost their manager. They've lost Waters. They've lost um, their captain as well. But if you look at it now, they've signed two or three players from Stockport who have that winning mentality and who have that experience of a title race, a playoff race, whatever you want to want to call it. They've kept Jesse Deborah, who was probably one of the best centre-halves in the division last year. They've got Warburton. They've signed Disaruvwe, who has that experience as well with Grimsby. He scored a lot of crucial goals in the playoffs. And I just think with Halifax, again, Millington was the um, assistant to Chris... Um, Pete Wilde, sorry. I was going to say Chris Wilder. But he was the <laughs> assistant. So he will be able to kind of emulate what while done in terms of tactics, while putting his own spin on it. So it's not going to be as drastic a change mm. in the dugout as you might think. I think they've got a very sustainable setup. I like the way they do things at Halifax. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs again. Bromley, it's more of a gut feeling, really. As, as Will said, Marriott's a great signing to compliment Cheek. It takes the burden off him. I think Vennings in midfield, getting him on a permanent, a good piece of business. 
Corey Whiteley's always dangerous. I just think they can be a very frustrating and robust team under um, under Woodman. And, you know, we've seen teams like them sneak in the playoffs before and I wouldn't be surprised. But if you would say right now, I think Halifax, they're the one I'm more concrete about. Right. Definitely not Southend. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously, I, I'm interested to see if, if Andy Woodman stays because there was that there was a murmurings last season that an EFL club were in for him on a number of occasions. He actually he actually told us that he'd turned down an EFL club and, and obviously has an affinity to um, to to Bromley, but um, but stuck around. So so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's the same this year. In terms of Halifax, then obviously you mentioned there, Jordan Keane, Sam Minihan, Jamie Stark. They they're all players who have won titles at Stockport County. Obviously, um, a couple of them have won two. Jamie Stark just the one. Fessus Arthur, another ex Stockport County player, and Melanic Halley as well. So they've they've really uh, raided the Stockport County bargain bin there. Um, as for Southend, then KC, you've you like the look of them. Obviously, you talked us through a little bit before what what you felt of them. They had a disastrous start to the season last year and it was looking like they were going to be one of those clubs that could do back-to-back relegations, but they managed to finish the year strong. Obviously, Kevin Mayer, the manager, but for me, what I find so impressive about them is is the work of Stan Collymore and the way he's managed to stable a ship that, as Joel alludes to under, under Ron Martin, was sinking fast. Top seven for me, I, I, I'm with you here, Casey. I think that's a formality for the Shrimpers and, and they should really be looking at what... After Stockport County have gone out the league and Grimsby too, is a is a league that hasn't improved in quality with the teams that have come down. More has sort of opened the door for a team like Southend to try and get themselves back into the into the football league. Yeah, hundred percent. And I feel like people forget with Southend. Right, obviously, yes, they had a bad start to the season last year, but the way that they bounced back and that was fairly impressive. And it did. They did look a strong team as well. Like we went there, and obviously beating three 0 but for a large spread of that game, we we weren't the best team on the pitch. So I think that says everything about how they ran, and especially their manager as well. He does a very good job. We'll move on to potential title challenges then, and this way it starts to, to heat up. The three of you, I'm delighted to say, revealing the results, have picked a top three from the same pool of four clubs. So we'll start with the one that came closest last year to promotion, but obviously ultimately fell short at the final hurdle, being Solihull Moors. Well, they're a new look side, quite literally, with with the new badge, which for me gets the biggest thumbs down of all time. I'm not quite sure what on earth has gone wrong there. I think the old one was much much better, had much more character. But hey ho, you know the they're a club in their infancy still, and and they're sort of trying to find their own identity. So fair enough. But in terms of on the pitch, it, it's a little bit somewhat the same, isn't it, with Solihull? And and they're expected to be there or thereabouts again, as they have been for a number of seasons. Well, I, I think there's something out of CBBC to be honest, CBBC <laughs> Moors or something, but because oh, I don't know, it's just it's very sort of generic, isn't it? But yeah. in terms of who they brought in on the pitch, you can't really complain, can you? I mean, adding Josh Kelly, who is a superb National League player. I mean, I, I hate to be the one who said I, I discovered him first, but sad uh, Morton Casuals, who sadly folded um, a couple of months ago. When I used to watch a couple of their games, Josh Kelly scored almost 40 goals in that league as a 19-year-old, 18-year-old. And he was on loan from Maidenhead and I was like, well, he's obviously too good for Ismian South, isn't he? And then he sort of went quiet for a bit. 
never really established himself but maybe was actually going to leave them. I think he might have gone to like Barnet or something, but it, he went back to Maidenhead, signed a new contract, and the season he's had is phenomenal. Hmm. You could say he's he's really played a big part in keeping them up and sort of it was a good season for Maidenhead last year. They they sort of defied a lot of the odds, and you know for Solihull to get him for what we reckon it's about hundred grand is it, a massive signing for them, and it means that. To be honest, losing Carl Hudlin was always going to happen just because he's such a good player to have with 20 minutes left. Bring him on, mm. he'll score from a long throw or something. That's what Carl Hudlin should be all about. But if, if you're talking to me about a front two of Dallas and Kelly, to me that just screams goals. And it just screams really good goals as well. Because if there's one thing Kelly does, he scores really, really good goals. It, he's a very, very satisfying footballer. And Solihull have they've brought in they've kept um, Joseph Barham as well, which is actually massive. And you know you talk about a front three now of Sabaran with Dallas and Kelly when they're going forward, uh, and they're going to score a lot of goals. My only concern for them is the playoff hangover, which you know mm. it's affected teams in different ways. I mean Torquay's a weird one because they really didn't have. It was quite unfair on them, really. They had no time to replace their squad. <clears throat> so they got in a bunch of below-average players and started the season absolutely terribly. Notts County, the season before, also had a bit of a playoff hangover, you could say, finished worse off. And then you look at the team's file went down. And then there used to be a run of whoever lost in the playoff final the year before win the playoff final the year after. Grimsby did it for us, Green did it, Tramme did it. And, you know, Solihull could do it, I reckon. They really could. I mean, I think fourth mm. place is about right for them. Because the league has strengthened, yeah. they've strengthened, but the top three are on another level this year, I think. Yeah, yeah, I second that completely. We were there, weren't we? Along with Will Joel for the National League playoff final. And he came so close to a first ever Football League promotion, regardless of who your affinity was on the day in terms of wanting to win. It, 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 was, this, it was a nice story seeing a sort of quintessential non league club get so close, um, but obviously ultimately fell short to quite an established Football League club in Grimsby. Do you see them challenging this year? Will's backing them to sort of be able to bounce back from that playoff defeat and go on and potentially get back to, I don't know where it'll be this year, probably in Saudi Arabia or, or Iran or something like that for the playoff final. Um, or do you see that top three, which we'll get to in, in a second, just being too strong? You know, maybe the overall quality of the league has decreased with Stockport County and Grimsby going out. But in terms of that top three, it, it, which the teams are, will not be named for now, but I'm sure you can figure them out it feels as though it is going to be sort of them in some in cement being in that top three regardless of what position they're in on paper yeah squad quality wise that three which I'm sure everyone can guess it doesn't take too much working out would be most people's three but you can't legislate for things like Shimanga getting injured and just things that mm. naturally happen in a football season that can change teams fortunes in one way or another Solio, I said it quite a few times last season, didn't I? I thought they were the most consistent team in the league in that Wrexham, Chesterfield, Notts County, ourselves, a load of other teams, they all kind of had peaks and troughs and they had ups and downs. But Solio just were on like a consistent curve. Mm. Almost they occupied like third, fourth, that kind of little spot. 
for the entire season. And then in the end, the playoff final, I just think it was the quality of Grimsby's subs and the timings and just that know-how from Paul Hurst and probably the lack thereof from Neil Ardley in in that it happened to him with Notts County as well at Harrogate. Um, Sorry, Casey. But um, I think Solid will will go again. Um, Huddling, they'll probably be grateful to have got him out of the building in that they've replaced him with better. Josh Kelly, great signing. Um, Alex Reid as well, we haven't mentioned, on loan from Stockport. He got 20 for them a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. He's good at this level. Um, yeah, yeah. Joe Sabara as well, one of the best midfielders in the league. And Dallas, look, there's so many goals in that team. I do wonder about Harry Boys, the left-back, who has gone back to his parent club on loan. He's not there anymore for Solion. I don't think they've replaced him. He was very good last season. But other than that, I think their squad is pretty much better. So they can at least match what they did last season. Who knows better it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They've got a really, really balanced squad, which I think is sometimes a little bit more important than just having pure firepower, as, as some teams in the past have have experienced. Um, we'll lift the embargo then on, on the Forbidden Free, Wrexham, Chesterfield and Notts County, Casey, because we'll start with Chesterfield. They were in cruise control, weren't they, at one point last season, but then injuries and scandals, a little bit like a, a tabloid back page, saw them fall short. They've come back strong you said last uh, a little bit before that you're not sure on how they'll get on, but I'm not quite sure if that's a, a little bit of a rivalry speaking between your between uh, Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire. But do you see them being a part of that top three when you come to think of it? Obviously, you, you place them outside, but but they've surely got with, with, with a manager as good as they've got a chance of jumping into that into that um, into that top three, as we say. Yeah, look, I feel there's there's always a chance. There's always a chance for everyone, you know. Like mm. There could be someone like York who finished third. There could be, you know, the Woking. Someone may do it, but you've got to be realistic. And obviously, Chesterfield, if it was going to be anyone, it would be them. Obviously, Paul Cook's a good manager. They've got fantastic players. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, genuinely, if they were the team to finish third. But yeah. I just feel like I can't see him doing it ahead of Solio. I feel like Solio is the one for me who will finish in that first spot. Albeit if Chesterfield do, then fair play to him. But yeah, I've got back Solihull for that place. Yeah, yeah. Kabongo Shamanga then will. He's he's back for Chesterfield, which was a really, really nice sight. I mean, we were doing this podcast back when he when he took that injury and, and it felt like felt like a significant moment and, and you know, a little bit of an emotional one for those Chesterfield fans because they, they were in a really good place and then that happened and then obviously a, a week or two before the, the James Rowe business happened, uh, Paul Cook came in it felt better and then boom, Shamanga's out for the season. Seeing him score goals is great. It's weird, isn't it? Because you, you would have thought that he wouldn't have been at the club at this point had he stayed fit. He'd have left and a, a, a sort of quote-unquote bigger club would have come in and taken him away. If Chesterfield go up this season, if they earn promotion this season and and Shamanga's scored the goals for them, that injury will be forgotten about very quickly, won't it? Yeah, it, it will. And the, the thing is with Shamanga, he's a player who would have had massive, massive interest this summer. And he's a player who potentially might have had Chesterfield in the League 2 had he stayed fit. And, you know, he, he's a... He's a really, really talented footballer, not just because of his goals, but because of what he brings to Chesterfield as a team. And, you know, when I went up there for the last game of the season, all their fans said the same thing. They were like, 
as soon as we lost Shamanga, it's like everything just sort of went to pot. And it's not often you say that about a team with a striker, that you have a player who is so important to your team that one injury can literally derail an entire team season rather than just a player season. But you look at the goal scoring record and everything, and there's no reason why when he comes back, Chesterfield shouldn't be firing and challenging mm. for that title because I, I don't think... I mean, <clears throat> Paul Mullen's great and all, but Kabongo Shamanga's a different player. And, you know, if Wrexham don't go up this season, would would you say that they put in a massive, massive bid for uh, Kabongo Shamanga and just say, <laughs> right, we really need to get out of this league? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, is it? Because obviously Paul Mullin's been a, a player who spent a lot of his career in the Football League. Kabango Shamanga's from that, that sort of on that upwards trajectory and they, they look like they're just passing each other and, and it depends which one goes back up. Um, one team then, moving on to the second of this top three, the, the elusive top three that I'm really looking forward to seeing, Joel, is actually Notts County because their their summer has been intriguing. I know KC will, will give us a, a ramble on this shortly, but in terms of you know the new manager, Manager, the, uh, the the recruitment they've made, they're looking a really good place. Plenty of departures, mind obviously in Birchnell, uh moving up to the football league, but plenty of arrivals too. How have you managed to assess their preseason so far? Then, well, I watched a little bit of their game against Leicester City um, because I think that was free to air, and I had let on my phone for a little bit, and I thought they were so impressive the way they transitioned, the way they played balls into pockets, the way they pressed in unison. And the general consensus amongst, amongst Notts County fans that I follow on Twitter is that they're very good at that, that kind of systematic press, the way they move, the way they play. Um, obviously, losing Cal Roberts will affect them, but it might be that they're going to play two up front next season and instead of playing, what, 4-3-3 with um, Roberts one side, the kind of wide forwards. So maybe that, doesn't matter as much in terms of the shape they're trying to implement. Um, Carl Wotton was obviously a very good player, but he was, to me anyway, a pure goal scorer, whereas it sounds like Langstaff is someone who will get involved in the general play a lot more. So mm. they're definitely going to be intriguing to watch. I don't really know how it's going to go for them because obviously you can't underestimate the fact that they have got a new manager. They are going to be playing a new system and they have got a new strike force who are unproven at this level. You can't ignore that fact. However, the amount of goals they scored in the division below and how it seems like they've adapted and they've integrated into the Not squad only suggests strong things. And um, definitely I can see them having a better year this year than they did um, last season where they tailed off. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a, a image or a tweet during the rounds at the end of last year. It's Notts County in the National League and it was just play a final, play a semis, blah, 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 then down and down and down. And it, it does feel as though if ever KC and I'll, I'll let you off the lead now you can you can come and wax lyrical because if anyone follows you on social media they'll know just how excited you are heading into this campaign but you're tipping them to to go top of the table ahead of Wrexham Wrexham finishing second again just like last year what is it that that's sort of brewing that confidence because to be honest I, I don't think it's unjust I think you've got every right to believe that you know it could be a very successful season I just feel like there's a few things really, but it's mainly the recruitment and it's not just the attacking sense side, it's defensively as well. Mm. We're now in a situation where Carl Cameron looks like the underdog of the back three and 
to say that about someone like Kyle Cameron, who's arguably one of the best centre-backs in the division. I mean, that says a lot about the recruitment. Mm. Firstly, signing, uh, well, it was Baldwin before it was Barami, but Baldwin obviously was part of MK Donza's playoff squad and now he's playing in a back three in Notts County and he's very good. As from what we've seen in pre-season, he is very, very good. Obviously, Barami as well. Apparently, it appears that we pre-contract agreed him, which is probably the best thing we did at the end of last season because no doubt about it, he probably would have been playing in League 2 if we hadn't have done that already. And obviously, you, we've mentioned Langstaff and Scott, guaranteed goals. We've lost Roberts, but Sam Austin looks like he wants that role and he's obviously a very good player as well. Keeping Rubens massive, whether that's all season or till January, given he's out of contract at the end, is going to be telling. But yeah, I mean, um, this is the most confident I've been about being in the National League and going off as champions this year. And it is exciting for us, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It does feel like a real buzz around the place. So we'll wait and see. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll move a little bit on then. Will, your pick, like like many, I'd say the majority for the National League title is, of course, Wrexham. They came close in the end last year, a little bit closer than, than some thought at one point. It, it went down to the final day, albeit the permutations were almost impossible for them. Expectation is, I'd say rightly, being heaped on their backs. Do you think this is finally the year Wrexham escape non-league and, and make it back to the Football League, or is it going to be another one of those cursed campaigns for, for the Welshmen? I mean, I mean, if they don't, with the squad depth and the quality in depth that they have, then there's something that's gone seriously, seriously wrong. I look at their squad and I think they've got they've basically got two players for every single position who you would literally say are worthy to go up as National League champions. You know, you've got Mullin and Palmer and Davis who have been absolutely brilliant. And then you look at the defence, which, you know, they, when you can see six goals in a playoff semi-final at home, you need strengthening defence. Hmm. They brought in Jordan Tunnicliffe, who was superb for Crawley. And bearing in mind Crawley have money now, bearing hmm. in mind the players they've brought in. Money he was in inverted commas, insane. really, isn't it, considering the, the source of the funds? Crypto. Well, yeah. It probably doesn't exist, but we'll find that out later. But he's the sort of player who you really think that they would have wanted because Max Cleworth was excellent last year, but it was his debut season. And you, you really felt like they were a bit brittle at times last year. They did sort of crumble a bit easily. And it's a thing with Wrexham, isn't it? When the going gets tough in this division, where, where do they seem to be? You know? They haven't got out of it, and there's a reason why. And I think to top it off, the signing of Jacob Mendy was superb. He's a, he's a player who everyone wants in their team, you know. Mm. He bombs forwards. He's a really good defender as well. He scores goals. He creates chances. He's a, he was massive to Bournemouth with attack and their defence last year. And that's what Wrexham are going to want that from their wingbacks because they're going to they're going to score a lot of goals, and you know that's what they're going to need in in defensive terms as well is a, is a wingback who can really sort of track back because when they played us they had Liam McAlinden at left wing back and I tell you what if if I saw Viking play Liam McAlinden at left back left wing back considering he is a, he's meant to be a centre forward I'd probably just turn around and take the train home to be honest. <laughs> It, it was it was scandalous what our wingers were doing to that man. But you look at the depth now, and if McFadden gets injured, they've got Mendy. 
if Tyser gets injured, they've still got Max Clearwater. If Mullins somehow gets injured, you know, you've got Sam Dolby, you've still got Dio Rangas who's hiding in the shadows. Mm. We haven't seen him for ages and he's still a really good player at National yeah. League level. And you, you seem to think, well, what will have to go wrong for Wrexham to bottle it? Will they have to have a Dorking style injury crisis where it's like every player is out of action and, you know, you have to bring players in? I, I just don't really see much of a fault. Hmm. And in, in any other sort of year, you'd tip Moss County or Chesterfield to win the league. Yeah, yeah. It's like what we were saying last year, really, wasn't it? Where fans of that sort of top half nationally will be almost hoping Stockport County and Wrexham go up together just to clear the way. Um, Joel, we stuck a tweet out on Non-League Daily's Twitter feed asking, would it be a failure if Wrexham didn't win the league? I'll let you guess the sort of answers and replies we got to that, but it was overwhelmingly uh, a yes, it would be a failure. Do you agree with that take? I can imagine this answer being quite simple and short. Of course, of course. Um, They've got the most lucrative squad in National League history. Mm. It's, It's as simple as that, really. I know that doesn't always translate into success because there's more factors at play. But quite simply, man for man, they're better than pretty much every single National League team. And that's not a slight on anyone else. It's just Wrexham operate in a different stratosphere financial-wise. So, yeah, they should win it with 100 points. They won't, but they should. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it, Casey? Finally then, to wrap up today, it would be a shambles, wouldn't it, if they didn't at least get promotion? Now, you're going Notts County for the title and, and you know, you made a, a convincing argument for that. But in terms of that second promotion spot, we saw what, what capitulation they managed to put on last season. Promotion has to happen, you feel, for Wrexham this year or... They're going to have quite a bit of trouble in terms of maintaining that momentum that we've been able to build up over the last few seasons. Yeah, I'd agree. They, they, if they don't go up, it is really a disaster for them. Mm. But not, not financially, more in terms of just pride, really, because yeah. you can't spend that much money and then not get promoted and then you know be happy with it because that's just impossible. But financially. Like you've got, you can't say that if they don't go up, they, it's going to hurt them financially because they, I mean, they are minted. Everyone knows that they, they are quite literally millionaires, mm. multi-millionaires. Yeah. So it does not really matter for them. They can, they could go again in January and spend a million if it weren't going too well for them. So I do think they will get promoted. This year. And if they don't, then we get another year of laughing at them before they inevitably try <laughs> it all over. Again. Yeah, well, the owners were joking about bringing Cristiano Ronaldo in, weren't they? And I really don't think that would be that that surprising. Um, We'll call it a day there then, boys. This has been the Non-League Podcast, sponsored by Ben.co.uk. I've been joined by debutant, a very solid debut, I have to say, KC. It's an absolute pleasure. And then, obviously, Will and Joel, who've returned for the new season. Um, If you are new around here, make sure you hit follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening along on. I have been Amos Murphy. This has been the Non-League Podcast brought to you by betting.co.uk. And until next time, see you later.